In the words of one of the most world-renowned leaders in this entire world, he says, Would I rather be feared or loved? Easy. Both. I want people to be afraid of how much they love me. A quote by Michael Scott. This has absolutely nothing with what I'm about to tell you, but I just felt like that might be a nice icebreaker, considering that I'm absolutely terrified. Okay, so... One of the most important things that I think all leaders need to have in their lives is feedback. It is one of the most powerful tools in leadership and is probably extremely underused as well. Leadership is both the perception and interpretation of feedback. It can honestly be one of the most terrifying things on the planet. And for me personally, I always get caught up in the idea that people will look at me differently if they had enough bravery to tell me what I was doing wrong. But if I looked at it from the perspective of myself giving someone else feedback, I'm doing it so they can improve, not so that they can just live in a constant failure because of their inability to do something. It's not just the presence of feedback coming from you to the members of your team or your colleagues that makes a big impact. But even feedback from them on how you are doing makes a big impact. Sometimes we fail to see how we come across, which is super common because what we see in here is completely different often than what other people see in here. That's why it's super important that someone is present in your life to call out those blind spots that you have. It helps people get on track and stay on the track to accomplishing goals and improving the things about them that may be a hindrance to their success. How often do you speak to someone and they comment on something that you do and you don't even realize that you were doing it? Imagine if you had a constant awareness of yourself and your performance. How much better would you perform? How much better would you be at your job? How much would you change the ones around you if you brought something to their attention? Feedback helps you maximize your potential. You won't ever repair a broken car if you don't diagnose it and try to find the problem. It may not always be obvious and right in front of you. It helps you realize your strengths and your weaknesses. Feedback isn't just constructive criticism. It's also encouragement. Where can you improve? What is something that you should cherish and keep? I don't ever remember a time being in a situation as a follower to a leader where I performed any better if someone sat there and pointed fingers at me the whole time and told me the things that I needed to fix. No, it was a good balance of things that I needed to fix and things that were very, very good about me that I could use as strengths. Two-way feedback eliminates the idea that the leader doesn't need improvement. We all have our moments that we mess up and we all have parts of who we are that we need assessment and a little tweaking here and there. You're not going to be any better of a leader if you don't treat yourself like a follower in the ways of personal assessment. Even the big bosses were once followers with a need for improvement. Now they are bosses that need feedback to remain in the position they're in. Feedback helps you begin the flame of compassion between you and your team. It shows that you care, and it shows that they have enough trust in you that you will make them better. It shows how much they care about their performance and how they do well at work. If you want to be super effective, I think that you should seek feedback for yourself. 
rather than just waiting on someone to evaluate you. One of the best ways to improve is to make yourself aware of your own problems. You will remember them and you will be pushed to further enhance your work ethic in the correct direction. Your team members will certainly thank you. This refinement process will set them up for success for possible future jobs or maybe even personal traits that they may need improvement on. This will turn them into future leaders with the same mindset. How many people could you touch and change with this idea? How many people can improve on the way that they are performing? And how many people can take this idea into different parts that's, that's not just the workforce? Imagine what you could be missing out on if you didn't implement feedback into your life. Thank you. Oh, hello. I didn't see you there. Welcome to the second installment of Leadership. You guessed it. Today we'll be talking about courage and vision and how it's implemented into leadership. I want to start off with a little bit of a story. After my first semester at the University of South Alabama College, I decided to pursue an art degree instead of an engineering degree. It was a big leap, but I was very excited to take it. A little over a couple of weeks after I started the art tract, I decided to achieve or try and accomplish a vision of mine that I had had for a long time that I wasn't able to do without the right tools and the right learning and the right teaching. And so now that I had all that, I wanted to paint this wonderfully extravagant painting that I knew that would bring me joy and probably other people some joy as well. And I didn't listen to what people told me when they said that I didn't have the right skill set, that I didn't have the right tools to do it, and I achieved the painting that I so longed for. And I probably couldn't do any of that without courage and without bravery. So I think that courage comes through the reliance on God, then on our ability to not see what he's doing. We trust that he will provide for our vision. I definitely know for a fact that I couldn't have done it without that courage. Courage is something that I think you need to implement into your team. I don't think that your team members will ever try to achieve the impossible if they can't see that it's actually possible. And with that courage, you can achieve a vision. A vision, by definition, is a picture of the future that produces passion within you. A vision comes from the desire inside of you to achieve something, I believe. And I think it can be very, very easy to get clouded with things that prevent you from achieving your vision. Oftentimes, as a leader in whatever situation you're in, whether you have the tools to do it or not, it can be very, very easy to get clouded with things that prevent you from achieving this vision. You may be in a bit of a financial pickle, or you may be in a situation where you don't have a lot of people at your expense. But I think that one of the best things to realize is that people will tell you that you can't. But if you keep on pushing with your team, I believe that you can. Don't ever apologize for that vision for that strength and that feeling that God has given you. Welcome back to Courage and Vision and how it's implemented into leadership, part two. The only reason there's a part two is because I accidentally had stopped on the recording. So um, let's get started. So how does a leader communicate this vision? 
Well, I am so glad that you asked. You must first embody that vision and personify that vision. When I think of that embodiment, I think of you literally becoming that idea. If you could picture that idea and vision with arms and legs and walking towards a destination, that's how it should be. By definition, embodiment is a tangible or visible form of an idea, quality, or feeling. It's also the representation or expression of something in a tangible way. You can turn that into something by becoming something that people can relate with. Oftentimes when you just say your vision out loud, it's hard for people to see what you're seeing. So if you become that vision, people will know what you're talking about. Then you should pursue it. You need to go after it with your whole heart. Let me just say it this way. Has anyone ever gotten anything done by doing anything halfway? Probably not. In most cases, they haven't. So you need to chase after that vision with everything that you have. People will begin to notice what you're doing and will want to join you. I also think that that would be a good example for others to follow their visions if they see you following yours. Then you should live it yourself. When I was painting that picture, it raised my success chance by a thousand percent if I decided to act like it was going to happen. Even if I didn't even have a canvas or paints. You have to be that courageous to be almost without nothing and still chase after this vision. Finally, you need to have one-on-one -on -one vision casting and sharing it publicly. The biggest dreams and visions out there didn't come through the act of keeping them a secret. Absolutely not. They were frantically telling everyone. And that's how word got out. That's how they started to receive verbal or even financial support. They weren't afraid to bring it out to the world. That may be the one thing stopping you from having a successful vision. And so these are the visions that you have, these things that seem at first unachievable and are now something that you have told publicly. What do you need? Again, like I said before, courage. Time and time again, it will feed your strength. Everything begins with this ruthless courage and honesty about your current situation. It's needed to build a God-honoring culture. Followers will thrive on this. Thank you. Congratulations. You've made it to the third installment of leadership and our final installment. Today we'll be talking about conflict management and giving it your best. In Bible times, Jesus used moments of conflict as opportunities to teach. People then and people now learn a great deal from their mistakes and their arguments if in return they get a lesson out of it. You may be missing out on some things during conflict if you had only just treated it and handled it the right way. So, there are two forms of conflict, avoidable and unavoidable conflict. Avoidable is where conflict can be avoided by the strict use of placements, rules, and clear procedures. People are warned or convinced to avoid differences and maintain complete composure. Unavoidable conflict is unavoidable. Ta-da, you guessed it. Because people will have their differences among each other. It's not something that you can prevent. In a conflicting situation, the conflict isn't so much between people, rather, it is in people. How often do you find yourself in a situation of dispute between you and someone else? 
and you can almost literally feel and hear the disagreement coming out of your ears. That's how it is. It's on the inside. So what do we do now? How do we go about fixing this? Conflict resolution is the thing that needs to take place. Firstly, do not be afraid of the person or people who you are in conflict with. And do not avoid them or allow it to get out of control or especially try and protect your ego. These things will prevent you from successfully leaving a moment of conflict, feeling like you grew as a person. You can learn from conflict more than you think. Finally, conflict can only be resolved through the death of defenses and openness with dialogue. You must be open to new ideas or things that your opposer has to say. You need to stop trying to put up this big wall to defend your side of the story. That leaves no room to enact with the other side of things. And you have to talk. You will only push down further conflict, and that is extremely unhealthy to you as a person, but it can also mean trouble for your future and what it may look like. You should have a mentality of improving yourself before others. You will also have the liberty of trying to fix yourself before you will have any permission to do that to others. To transition, I just want to thank you for sticking it out until the end. You're a real trooper. We've talked about a couple of major things like feedback and conflict and even courage and vision. So to begin this next part of this audio recording, I want to empower you with something first before I get into the information I have for you. You can do anything that you set your mind to if you let courage in the Lord's promise and courage in your own self take place. You must have faith in yourself. So, some thoughts to avoid when trying to put your best foot forward. A, I will never make it, or this dream of mine will never ever happen mentality can almost guarantee your failure. It will not give you the strength to press on. A procrastination lifestyle, something I'm guilty of. Quote, getting to it later is a more subtle version of the fact that you will get to it never. You're, again, setting yourself up for failure. Also, not taking the many opportunities to grow and learn from your setbacks is a problem that you may never be able to get back or recover from. Remember that achieving these growing opportunities will make you an absolute phenomenal model for others that may be struggling leaders with visions as well. I say all of these things to you because giving it your best does not mean that you won't trip up every once in a while, and it for sure does not mean that you won't go through rough patches where it may get to a point of struggling, but if you can learn from your mistakes and put them behind you, you will be much more successful in achieving that dream of yours by hopping over future similar obstacles. Your followers will be much more willing to follow you if you keep pressing on, and even better, they might pursue a dream one day with the traits that you have maybe unintentionally taught them. Finally, I want to say this, that God is the only one who can give you strength that is unmovable. He is the one who birthed this dream inside of you, and he will also be the one to help you achieve this dream. I know that I would have never achieved my ambitions for being a good team member as a follower if I hadn't consulted God. I may never become a good leader in the future if I don't come to him asking for his strength and his guidance. Thank you.